Welcome to the Point of Impact Podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now here's Rick. Welcome to another episode of Point of Impact. I'm Rick McDaniel. It's great to have you listening again today. And we're just uh, thrilled about how many more people are joining us each week and Glad to have you if you're a first-time listener, and if you're returning, that's super great as well. Hope you'll subscribe, and then you can just have each episode just uh, dropped right to you each and every week, every Friday. Uh, Certainly appreciate sharing about this podcast, giving us a five-star rating, writing a review, anything you can do. Definitely appreciate it. Sharing on social media. If one of the episodes really helps you or speaks to you in some way, obviously talking about that is great as well, getting specific. And today we're going to finish up this uh, theme of success. Now, a couple weeks back, we kind of finished my five P's of success and I blended in some other things on excellence and self-discipline, stuff like that. But I wanted to do one more where just looked at some super successful people and the mantras that they live by, many of which were actually given to them by someone, advice that they received from somebody that they respected or listened to. And I think it would just be helpful to just kind of wrap up this whole thing. You've certainly heard a lot from me about what I think are the keys to success. But I think having uh, the ability to just kind of hear what some of these people that you know, you know well, you know these names, these are names that, that, that would be recognizable to you to be able to hear them and, uh, you know, hear what they have to say, I think can be really helpful. So let's just jump in today and let's start with Bill Gates. Bill Gates, of course, is co-founder of Microsoft and just a humongous success story and now really has, has become such an amazing success after leading the company in a day-to-day way by what he's doing with his foundation and the difference that he's making and the other people that he's getting to join with him to pledge that they're going to give the majority of their wealth to his foundation or to causes that they believe in. It's just really, really great what he's been able to do. And when asked about, you know, the advice, success advice that really, really helped him. He actually quotes one of his fellow billionaires. In fact, a guy that he's become good friends with through the years. Uh, There's a, a funny story about the two of them going to the movies one time and Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, running into them. Imagine Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and Phil Knight. Microsoft, Nike, and Berkshire Hathaway, all these billionaires together watching a movie. It's just kind of funny to think about. But anyway, before they were good friends, Warren Buffett gave Bill Gates some great advice. And here here it is. Keep things simple. That, That was his advice. Keep things simple. And what he what he was saying really was that when you're in a field that is complicated, and boy, technology is complicated, and you're dealing with finances, and you're dealing with budgets, and you're dealing with all kinds of remarkable growth. These are great things, but 
still there are issues that have to be dealt with. And Bill Gates just decided that he was going to have a, a plan in place and that he was going to focus on keeping things as simple as possible, even though he was dealing with a, a, a huge complexity of a massive company that was growing and growing. And Gates says that's the key to his success, keeping things simple. So there it is. How about Mark Zuckerberg while we just stay in the kind of the, the world of computers and social media and technology? His uh, mantra is the biggest risk is not taking any risks. And he said that he really got this advice from Peter Thiel, who co-founded PayPal, who told him that the most risky thing he could do was to not take any risks at all. So Zuckerberg, as you know, while still a student at Harvard, starts Facebook, which is supposed to be for college students. Some of you may or may not know that in the beginning days of Facebook, the only way you could be on Facebook was if you had a .edu email. You had to have an email from a college or university in order to even be on Facebook. And imagine where that's gone. So Zuckerberg lives by the rule that the only guaranteed way to fail is not taking risks. Or another way, by not taking mistakes, you can't learn things that you need to learn. So that's his motto. That's the way he looks at things. He's a risk taker. Now, he's a calculated risk taker. It's not a crazy risk taker. And I always think it's important to, to clarify these things. Some people, when they think about Risk-taking, they just immediately have in their mind that, you know, it's just sort of taking a flyer, just, you know, leaping out there, never know where you're going to land. And I, I just don't think that's what risk-taking really means. I've taken a lot of risks in my life. I've started a lot of things from scratch. I've moved my family to a whole different, you know, area. I, you know, I, I went to back to school to get my third degree when I had two little kids. I mean, I've taken a lot of risk and I could name many, 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 many more, but I calculated all of them. Ultimately, I chose to do them, but it's not like you're crazy. You're calculating, but in the calculation, you determine this is the best thing to do. And I think that's what Zuckerberg does, and I think you can see the success as a result. So how about Warren Buffett? What would, uh, what would his mantra be? His is exercise, humility, and restraint. And he says that he really got this advice from one of his Berkshire Hathaway board members, Thomas Murphy. And the way the story goes is that Murphy said to him when he was upset, he said, you, you can tell someone to, to go to hell tomorrow, but to not, for today, keep your mouth shut and, and wait and see if you feel the same way tomorrow, if the next day you, you feel the way you do now. And so he lives by this mantra that you don't make rash decisions, that you take time. Obviously, he's a part of the keep things simple. You know, you, you take time to think logically and to not be overly emotional. Here's a, a recent, actually a recent quote by him, at least recent to me. Maybe he said it another time. I just saw it, but this is really good. He said, you'll continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that's said to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with logic. True power is restraint. If words, 
control you. That means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. So you see, this is the same kind of thinking, this idea of being humble, of exercising restraint, of not letting things that people say about you or just words that they speak that upset you to control you. Because if you allow that, then they do control you. And then you're really not in control of your life. And obviously, his motto of restraint has served him really, really, really well. And I would just add that the humility part, you know, he's famous for, you know, living in the same house. It was, you know, Omaha, Nebraska. It's, you know, he never moved to New York or LA or Chicago. He just, the guy is just a humble guy, even though he is a super, super, super wealthy guy. How about Oprah Winfrey? Obviously in the, in the group of super successfuls for sure. And her little adage is when you know better, you do better. And she says she got this from Maya Angelou, who taught her many life lessons. But she says that the lesson that most stuck with her was that she taught her that I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. So Winfrey just took this to heart and, and just lives by this motto that, you know, you've got to know better before you can do better. And so then once I know how to do better, I can actually, in fact, do better. You know, again, it's it's fairly simple kind of concept, but, you know, when you know better, you do better. Of course, you realize that there are people who know better who don't do better. In fact, it's a classic phrase parents use. You know better when your kids do things that they're not supposed to do. They know better, but they choose not to do better. So for Oprah Winfrey, the secret of her success is I know better and then I do better. I act upon what I, in fact, know that I am supposed to do. So it's, I think, uh, really a, a great little success axiom, if you would, mantra. When you know better, do better. So when you know better, make sure you do better. How about Mark Cuban? You know him, owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team and a very involved businessman with all kinds of things and on the television show Shark Tank and so forth and so on. But, you know, just a, a big investor in a, in a lot of different things. His mantra is there are no shortcuts. He says he got it from his dad. He says his dad taught him that you've got to outwork, outthink, and outsell because there aren't any shortcuts. That hard work is, is, is the answer to success. And of course, this is one of the things that I talked about in my five P's of success was the idea of hard work, also risk-taking I talked about, by the way, as well. And, and uh, you'll see many of these uh, themes in things we've talked about. And some, you know, are a little different, like keep things simple. You know, it's kind of a, a different take on it. But basically what Mark Cuban, and if you know his story, I mean, it's, it's quite a story, you know, got involved in computers early on and just really made it happen. Just hustled, 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 kind of a salesman at heart, and but yet had enough knowledge to be able to, to do things in a, in a technology field. And so 
put that all together and work hard and you're on your way to something very, very, very successful. And, and that's exactly what Cuban's been able to do. And then along the way, he's been able to have a lot of fun by owning a basketball team and winning an NBA championship and really allowing him to kind of have a voice, uh, probably larger voice than, than, than you would think that somebody in his particular role would have. He's kind of fashioned that and created this kind of public persona for himself. But again, don't ever uh, underestimate how hard these people are working. You think this stuff just happens. You know, you're not where they are. He's telling you, this is my axiom. There's no shortcuts. I'm not looking for shortcuts to success. Um, I'm willing to put the work and I'm going to outwork, outthink, and outsell. And uh, that's what's led to success. How about somebody like J.K. Rowling? I'm an author, so I can appreciate you know her success, even though she writes fiction, I write nonfiction. But still, you're talking about someone who has just had a massive, massive amount of success. In fact, she's become, frankly, one of the wealthiest women in the world as an author. That's remarkable. That is a remarkable accomplishment. You know, if you know her story, you know that she was a single mother. She was actually living on welfare. She was writing this, you know, book and this whole Harry Potter thing in coffee shops. When she went to pitch her story to publishers, she received plenty of rejections. So here's her motto. Here's her mantra. Here's her axiom. Call it what you want. Embrace failure. She attributes her success to her failings because she believes that through her adversities, through her setbacks, through her failures, she gained valuable knowledge about herself and about her future, about her goals, about what she wanted to pursue, about relationships. So she was able to not have a fear of failure, which so many people have and and. We'll get to this at some point in, in these podcasts, I can assure you that we'll talk about failure and fear, the fear of failure and how it keeps so many people back, holds so many people back. In fact, fear in general, really just, it's remarkable, you know, fear of the future, fear of finances, fear of rejection. It's, there's lots of Lots of fears that hold people back. And I'm, I just really believe in all my years of working with people that fear pulls people back more than anything else. And I don't think it's by accident. The Bible has a lot of things to say about not being fearful and about having courage. It's not by accident. It's certainly on purpose. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, someone else. Uh, let's go back into the technology world for a moment. And, and, and look at somebody like Steve Jobs. Now, you know, he's passed away, um, which, you know, is also quite a reminder that a guy as successful as him, that did as much as him, that accomplished as much as he accomplished, still could not keep himself alive. He couldn't overcome sickness and illness and disease. Pretty humbling reality to consider that a man left this earth far, far too young. I mean, he's in his 50s. He could have lived for another 30 years. It's really, it's really something. So here's his, here's his axiom, and it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. He says, don't just follow your passion. You know, follow your passion is a common piece of advice that people talk about being successful, but 
He said, don't just follow your passion, but something larger than yourself. His idea was based on the fact that giving something back to others can be greater than just your passion. And and it can, in fact, give your life far greater purpose and meaning. So he lived by this notion of using his passion to be a part of history and making something that 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 really would, in fact, have a, a bigger impact. Now, I, I'm the impact guy. You know, this is called Point of Impact, my speaking ministry, High Impact Living. I mean, I am all about, someday I'll write a book called The High Impact Life. I mean, I am all about making an impact and having an impactful life. And I, I fully believe with this idea of being a part of something larger than yourself. Now, for me, that, of course, involves the God factor. I, I, I am a part of something much larger than myself, which is God, which is God's church, and how the church of Jesus Christ can impact and has in incredible ways. Maybe we'll do a podcast on just, you might be amazed to know how many Things from education to healthcare, I mean, you just runs the gamut, uh, are all traced back to Christians in the church. It's remarkable. So the impact's been huge. So to be something larger than yourself, to be a part of something that can make a huge difference. Now, I'm all about that. For him, it wasn't the church. It was, you know, it was Apple. It was the idea that he was going to change people's lives and impact. And, you know, there's no denying it. I'm, I'm doing this podcast partially with, uh, you know, an Apple laptop, for instance, and sitting next to me is an iPhone. So there you go. I mean, the guy's influenced the Apple Watch, the iPod, you know, it just goes on and on and on. So his advice, don't just follow your passion, but do something larger than, than yourself. How about somebody like Tori Birch? You know that name, Tori Birch? She's a fashion designer and, and uh, very popular um, designer women's clothes and shoes and all that kind of stuff. And her mantra is follow your instincts. She got this advice from former Urban Outfitter CEO, Glenn Sink. He told her to follow her instincts. And other people uh, told her to take a more traditional route for launching her business as a, as a wholesaler rather than a retail concept. She listened to Sink and it paid off and helped to propel her to the successful position she's in today. So, you know, she she chose to go the route that she chose to go. And the proof's in the pudding. She's just had a, a, a great amount of success, and she's had a great amount of success by being able to follow her own instincts, trust her gut, go in the direction that she felt was the best direction for her. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good advice. You know, just if you just really have a gut instinct and gut feeling about it, you got to go for it. When I was um, looking at this piece of property to purchase for our church, we did what's called due diligence. A part of the due diligence has to do with having the engineers come in and take a look at the property. So they looked at it and they said, uh, there's wetlands and, um, we don't advise you buying the piece of property. Now, it was an incredible piece of property, 1,000 feet of frontage uh, on a major four-lane road, interstate exit, the whole nine yards. You know, like, really, you're going to pass because there's a little bit of wetlands. Then was talking to a banker friend of mine. He's like, yeah, this project's just too expensive. Your church is, 
your church isn't, hasn't grown enough, isn't big enough to take on such a big project as this. And even though both of them are experts in the financial world and in the engineering world, I, I just trusted my gut instincts. I said, nope, this property is the perfect piece of property and we will be able to handle this even though it, it is a big step. And we went forward and we bought the property, we built the building, we expanded on the building. And all I can tell you is, you know, it all worked out. Uh, it all worked out. The growth was phenomenal and the growth took care of, of, of the financial challenge. And as far as the property goes, we've been able to do everything we wanted to do on the piece of property. And the little bit of wetlands hasn't hurt us at all. In fact, it's just given us a nice green space. It's at one end of the property. It's not anywhere in the middle. We have a beautiful, gorgeous piece of property, phenomenal location. And, and uh, location, 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 you know, for residential real estate. But when you're talking about commercial and talking about something like a church, it's, it's not location, it's accessibility, accessibility, accessibility. And when you're on a four lane road, that's an interstate exit yeah, and you have a stoplight right in front of your church, you know, you, you made the right call. So Tory Birch, follow your instincts. How about Michael Bloomberg? You know, Michael Bloomberg, Bloomberg Empire, Bloomberg News and former mayor of New York City. His axiom is never stop learning. He just, he, he, you know, lives by this continuous learning. He's passionate about being a student, an, an always student, a forever student. He believes there's nothing more powerful than an open inquiring mind wanting to soak up knowledge. And so that's the, the route that he's taken. And, you know, he's a, a huge business magnet, success. And again, as big philanthropist and politician, and, and he just believes that too many people stop learning and you need to always be open to new things. And I think that, again, I'm a huge believer in lifelong learning. Absolutely. I talked about it within this uh, success series we've been talking about. So it's not necessarily new information because you, you've heard it from me uh, in this. And there are many other folks, by the way, we're talking about here who in one way, shape or form would follow that same axiom that you've got to be a lifelong learner if you're going to be successful. How about Susie Orman? She's the, the, the motivational speaker and the CNBC host and author and financial person. You know, she's the kind of the late person, if you would, the average person's finance person. Her, her mantra is with, with success comes unhelpful criticism, ignore it. With success comes unhelpful criticism, ignore it. And so uh, she, she got this from uh, what she says is a teacher from India. So I, I don't know how that all happened, but uh, the backstory is that uh, as she got more successful, uh, she began to receive a lot of criticism and attacks for some of her advice and it made her angry. And upset, I guess, in talking with this teacher from India and expressing that the advice was to ignore it, to ignore, to ignore the unhelpful criticism. And this teacher from India said this, the elephant keeps walking as the dogs keep barking. The elephant keeps walking as the dog keep barking, you know, just like whatever, you know, the giant elephant's not going to be stopped by some barking dogs. And, and so her, 
thinking is you're going to, especially in the world in which we live today, the social media world in which we live today, and I certainly know a lot about this. There are haters, there are trolls, there are all kinds of people, you know, just I get this stuff all the time from people that, you know, are telling me this or telling me that. And it's just some of it's just hilariously funny, really, because people who have nowhere near the qualifications or the accomplishments that I have are going to, you know, try to tell me something. So it's just unhelpful. It doesn't mean there isn't value in constructive criticism. Absolutely. Feedback is marvelous. I just sat in my office yesterday with someone. I said, you know, they gave some feedback. I said, this is great. We need this. We need to know this kind of information. So it's, it's not about ignoring feedback or constructive criticism. It's unhelpful criticism from essentially haters. Got to just let it go. All right, how about Richard Branson? You know that name, Richard Branson. You know, he's the, the guy who, uh, the Virgin Group uh, founder, and got himself involved in all kinds of things, even space stuff now. His axiom is never look back with regret, just move on to the next thing. And he credits his mother. He credits his mother with giving him this advice of never looking back and having regrets, but just moving on to the next project. So the way that Branson looks at failures and setbacks is that he just says, I'm going to move on and, and put energy into the next project. I'm not going to look back at this uh, the setback as a bad experience, but as a, a learning experience. So here you go. How can you learn? You can learn all kinds of ways. And, you know, failures feedback. It tells us don't do that again. <laughs> don't do it that way the next time. Yeah, it's helpful. So we can fail forward by using failure as feedback. And that's what Branson chooses to do. I'm not going to look back in regret. And I think that's, that's hugely important. People just sometimes just get so wrapped up with regrets about, you know, should have done this, woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of thinking. Woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of thinking just is, is not helpful. It's, it's, it's not good for you. If you spend too much time in regret, it really just can become paralyzing. It keeps you from moving forward and keeps you in a place of self-doubt and lack of confidence. It just, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody messes up. We could all look back with regret over things we've done or said, but you just have to learn from it and move on to the next thing. And that's what Branson's done. It seems to work pretty well for him. How about uh, Sheryl Sandberg, you know, CEO, uh, not CEO, uh, COO of Facebook. Uh, Zuckerberg's the CEO, but chief operating officer. She got this piece of advice from Google executive chairman Eric Schmidt, who said, all that matters is growth. So her axiom is all that matters is growth. She believes she's in a growth industry technology and she sees the positives in growth and development. So in other words, her thinking is just keep growing. Keep growing personally, individually. Keep the organization growing. Just be have a growth mindset. All that matters is growth. Just keep focused on the growth. So that's her. Now, again, what I would say is, just maybe expanding the definition of growth a little bit. For instance, in my world, I talk about three types of growth. Quantitative growth, yes, numbers, more people. Qualitative growth, 
maturity? Are people growing in their relationship with Christ? Are they maturing and becoming uh, more and more devoted followers of Christ? And then organic growth, growth from within, which means leadership development, leadership growth. So in a healthy church, you want to have more and more people as a part of your church. You want to have more and more people who are growing to become more fully devoted followers of Christ. And you want to have more and more people that are stepping up into leadership roles within the church. They're, they're growing in their leadership. All of that is growth. So it's not just, you know, just the numbers. Sometimes we think only about the numbers when we talk about growth, but Again, growth is more than that. And in that sense, all that matters is growth because you got to have growth in any organization if it is going to be successful. So there's just some folks, all of whom have high profile, successful careers, and each of them has a little different take on it. I think it's helpful and I think it's a nice way, good way to just sort of wrap up what we've been talking about over these number of weeks up about success that it just kind of frames things on top of everything else I've talked about. So you've gotten a ton of information, a ton of information over these last episodes. And I really hope that you'll put it into practice. And certainly whatever resonates with you, you will act on it and it will bring you uh, greater and greater success. And you will live a successful life and you will, you will be living the kind of life that you dream about and the kind of life that you have set your goals for, and I'd certainly uh, that's my desire uh, in, in having these episodes is to help you to be able to do that. And so I hope that you will do that and find a way to share with me. RickMcDaniel.com, by the way, you can send me an email through RickMcDaniel.com or on social media and just say, hey, Rick, you know, I put into practice this, that, or the other. It's really helped me. I'd appreciate hearing that. Hearing that. that encourages me. But most of all, I'm excited about how you can put these principles into your life. And so until next week, it's been great having you and uh, look forward to joining with you again next week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.